You're listening to the Tuna Town Talks Fishing Podcast with Captain Paul Miller. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm a full-time charter captain based out of Ennis, Louisiana, and over the years I've seen some of the most incredible things, and some of my friends have told me some of the most unbelievable stories. So much to where I decided I would like to start a podcast. And now a word from our title sponsor, Blue Wave Boats. Blue Wave has been the number one selling bay boat along the Gulf Coast for many years now. And with over 50 square miles of marsh located out of Venice, Louisiana, it is essential that I choose the right boat to put my clients on fish. For the last four to five years, I've been using a 24-foot bay boat powered with a single 300 Suzuki, and it's been an amazing boat. However, over the years, I've also learned that I like to target a lot of different species that are near shore, so having a bigger boat with more power could help with that, which is why I've decided to move to a 26 Pier Bay powered with twin 200 Suzukis, and this has been the perfect size boat for being able to target multiple different species, especially because the boat has over four live wheels in it, which allows me to use multiple different baits to target multiple different species. With the flush mounted seating, I'm also able to maintain ample fishability, all while still providing a comfortable ride for my clients. With the step toll technology, I'm able to be more fuel efficient at higher speeds, which is also a huge advantage when making long runs through the marsh. If you would like to purchase a Blue Wave boat, head on over to bluewaveboats.com where you can find your local dealer. Alrighty guys, here on another episode of Tuna Town Talks, I got Captain Bobby Warren on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you on, Bobby. Um, you've definitely been a Venice legend, and I've been wanting to have you on, on the podcast for a while now. Oh, thank you. And thank uh, you. before we get started, this bottle right here is yours. This is a bottle of Yellowfin Vodka, so I give that to just Ooh. about all my guests that come on the, on the podcast. So, Where did that come from? You make that? No, it actually, it comes from Louisiana. They make it with Louisiana sugar cane. It's only sold in Louisiana. Um, and we actually, we just, I just started getting them to carry it up there at Elsie's, you know, right over yeah. the, right over the levee at the little hardware store, the, the gas station part of it. They, they sell the, those That's bottles cool. in there. Yeah. So. If anybody's down here in Venice and you guys want a bottle of the elephant vodka, stop by Elsie's and you can grab one. <laughs> Definitely, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool bottle. They got that glass cap on there. It's yeah, it unique. is. It really <laughs> is. Yeah, shit. I tell them they need to sell them as souvenirs for people down here, right? <laughs> I bet they could. good. Yeah. I bet they could for sure. Well, um, Bobby, so um, how, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you get your passion for fishing? Wherever you want to start, man. Uh, born and raised up in Belchase, and. I don't know. I've always loved fishing. Just right. always loved it. hunting and fishing. So that was it. Huh? <laughs> I thought at one time, yeah. I, I used to always say I'm gonna make a living fishing, make a living fishing, and that's before really anybody we even knew anything about guiding and things like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought I wanted to be a shrimper at one time. Really? <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to be on the water. You yeah. know. I can remember that too. I was in high school, and I, for some reason, I wanted to go work on a shrimp boat. Yeah. It, never, it never happened, but yep. I don't know why I, it never happened. I got happened, to do it like little bits and pieces here and there, you know, just a little taste of it, small yeah, on a skiff yeah. and stuff like that. It was neat. It was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. like growing up, did you and your your family have a boat or whatever you guys went out on? Uh, actually, I fished more with my grandmother than I did with anybody growing your up. Your grandmother, my really? grandmother loved to fish. Really? Yeah, she loved to fish, and. uh me and her fished all the time. 
That's pretty yeah. cool. What kind of fishing did you guys do together? Freshwater mostly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like sockling. Yeah, bass. Stuff yeah, like stuff that. like that. They used to have a place uh, in Avondale called Pier Ninety. Down there, you could go down there and rent like a little P-Rog and stuff like that, or a little flat boat. She'd stay on a dock and catch brim, and I'd get in the P-Rog and paddle up and down the canal bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's know? cool. Yeah. And it, you know, when you get and you grow up like like we did close to the river, you was always yeah trying to catch something out the river. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, like graduating high school, what was your like first steps out into the real world? What'd you decide to do with your life? Ah, uh, you know, it. it uh, you never really know what you want to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you kind of you fall into guys. something, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just pill around and do stuff. Uh, but kind of, um, you know, I got into in the sporting goods, working at sporting goods stores, Pugilus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they had a store in the West Bank, and uh, I worked there, and I thought that was a pretty cool job. And then I ended up going across the river to Metairie store. And I managed that store for a year or two. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is a pretty cool job, you know? Yeah. I bet that is. It, it was fun. <laughs> and the retail side of it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't get no time to go hunting and fishing because you was always working at the store. Yeah, you're always you know? at the store, yeah. And I used to actually, I used to get Dave Ballet to come in, him and Brandon, and to come in and do tarpon seminars. Really? Up there, yeah. And... After just teach a, and talk about tarpon. Yeah, we you know like uh, we do these seminars, or, or have people come in and talk about marlin fishing or tuna fishing or tarpon fishing or trout fishing or whatever what you know yeah. whatever the subject was, and me and Brandon got to talking one day here and there about stuff, and he's like, man, you know my my cousin is going back to school and I need a deckhand here and there if you want a deckhand with me for a little bit. I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And I got laid off from the store and just kind of fell into the deckhanded thing and stayed stayed doing that. The guy, yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And it was all, you know, it was So like, you cut your teeth offshore then yeah. with Brandon. There was only like five offshore boats down here. You really? Know, charter boats, yeah. And then we took in. Uh, you know what year that was when you started down there? Well, I got my my captain's license in 95 so that's the year I it was had born, to be <laughs> <laughs> so in 95 and then so i was with, with him for about three years at least decade so oh yeah yeah okay so, around, so you so you so were like early late 90s. 80s early 90s yeah yeah so you were actually it was before it was right about when all of this stuff was these buildings and all down at the marina here is, you know. Starting to come up. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing down here but, you know, a few little things here and there and a few houseboats and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything was starting to <laughs> up and coming. And, what kind know. of boat did you start decking on? What kind of boat did Brandon have? Brandon had that big Lafitte skiff. It was a custom-built uh, Lafitte skiff that he used for offshore fishing. <laughs> it was pretty neat, big, wide-open boat. I'd have to look at those to see, see yeah. what it looked like. It looks just like a shrimp boat without no rigging on it. Oh, okay. You know, like the big ski, like the. Is that kind of like the kingfish? Yeah. 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 Yep. I got you. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we marlin fish, tarpon fish, bottom fished, right. everything yeah. out of it. Yeah. Heck yeah, that was pretty cool. And it just got to where after a few years, and then he bought a, then he bought a thirty-eight Bertram, and we ran that, and it wasn't long after that, we had an October or something that it blew like the whole month, didn't get to work. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like back then, like so then deckhands, I was making fifty dollars a day deckhanding. Fifty bucks a day. Fifty bucks a day. <laughs> wow. And then whatever tips, you know. Uh-huh. But uh it, you know, it just got it was like, Man, I can't make money if we can't fish, you know. And yeah. So I started doing some inshore and offshore and it was like that. You gotta do one of the other. Can't yeah. do both. You it's do hard to do both. I, t- yeah. I tried telling some of the younger guys now yeah. they're trying to do nah, that. It's, it's yeah. It was, it, but so it, the the inshore worked out a lot better. You could fish a lot more days. And, yeah, I always say know. the scheduling's easier because you know, like you know that you're going to be able to fish. You know, kind of down here in Venice, we can fish almost no matter what the weather's doing. Pretty much so. Pretty yeah. much, you know. Yeah. And uh, with the offshore, you have to book every day imaginables because you might only fish right. five or ten days that month right. <laughs> with exactly. the weather and everything. Yeah. So. so, you know, and early on like that, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was probably, you had probably had, let's see, well, I mean, you probably had six or seven inshore guides out of here, you know. Wow, really? And we'd split time between Venice and Empire. Uh-huh. So, the Empire was closer. Right, right. Driving all the way down here, but we fished, we fished Venice more during this time of the year, September, yeah, October, and on through the winter. Really, and we stayed up that away and fished up there mostly in the summer, summer and stuff. spring and summer. Yeah, you know that makes sense. There <laughs> was a ton more marsh, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, it worked out great. Um, I bet there was only fifteen guides in the whole parish, you know. Really. Wow, yeah. that's crazy to think about. <laughs> How many do you think there is now? <laughs> 115 <laughs> on the weekends, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it, it really is. It, yeah, it really yeah. is crazy. All the marinas. What's funny is, is watching how the industry grew. Yeah, I bet you, you know, did see it grow. There was things that went on early on that should have made it like, uh, so say the Venice Marina had a big, crew quarters barge in here one time and they had a restaurant and sleeping and everything it was like a floating hotel really yeah I never knew about and that. it just didn't do it you know but you know, all the advertisement and all was like magazines and newspaper articles and maybe a tv show here and there mm-hmm. but you know so it didn't really have any internet to influence push to push it yeah you know and then after the ballet sold it and the butlers got it you know things started more you know, internet started coming around more, and people finding out more about stuff. And this place was, poof, you know, yeah. just blew up. You do think that internet's one of the reasons that fishing's gotten so popular? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, customer base has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, at one time I'd have guys show up and they got fistful of rods and their own tackle boxes and they got on the boat and and ninety nine percent of them were fishermen. Yeah. You know, they knew they wanted to go to Venice to go fishing. And they fished a lot at home. And they fished a lot at home. And now you get more people that see pictures and videos and, man, let's try that fishing. Yeah, let's, let's go, go try fishing. That. Yeah, let's go <laughs> do that. Let's try that. It looks like fun. And, yeah. You know, so you get more people who don't fish now than we did before, mm-hmm. which which is fine. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It definitely is. But it's definitely uh I see what you mean because the clientele, like, whenever you get people that don't fish a lot, it's almost like you got to show them what fun is. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's really nice, too, is that you can watch somebody fish or catch a fish that don't have a clue. And, you know, they're excited. Mm-hmm. And everything's new. You know, and it's yeah. great. It's mm-hmm. not 
Oh, yeah, you know, a guy who fishes all the time, uh, a catfish. I mean, it's less impressive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get kids, man. You can, even adults, you're catching those big sail cats. Yeah. You know, yeah. people who don't know any better are just, they enjoy yeah. the hell out of that. So, I think, I, I think what you're saying, which I, I definitely agree with, is a lot of times, like, I, I enjoy every different type of client that you have. Like, like if you have that client that's, you know, fishes a lot at home, really knows what he's doing, and for you to be able to put him on, like, you know, his biggest redfish or, you know, whatever it right. is, that's cool too. Right. But also putting somebody on their first redfish is, is almost equally as cool. It, it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, people don't, you know, like like the, the guy and his kids today come down from Tennessee and the boys were, I think, 13 and 14 and even the dad, they didn't have a clue where the big redfish was. Right. You right. know? They seen pictures, but that's about right. it. Then they caught and then they hooked in bulls and it was just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, then you then they come to life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Mind they, blowing. Chit chatty and you know, and, you know, oh yeah. 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 So yeah. you know. Then we caught a big we hooked a we snagged a big old shark and a fin and we actually got him to the side of the boat. Oh, that was the best thing in the world. <laughs> you know, they love that. Shark, shark. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. It is, it's cool whenever I, I, you know, I appreciate sharks sometimes in that ma- manner too just because, you know, people think it's – I think about charters. I'm going to start doing shark charters. Somebody, really? yeah, Somebody should do them down You know, there. I mean, there's many <laughs> sharks as we got in the summertime here now, you know. <laughs> Might as well take advantage of it. I, yeah. I've said that quite a few times that somebody could really make a name for themselves down here oh, yeah. doing shark charters. Yeah. People, I mean, Mark the Shark down in Miami, I mean, he made a big name for himself. Yeah, there. is that the one that fishes off the beach? Uh, there's a couple that is do it. it. That's, not the, that's not the same guy. Yeah, I had a guy fish with me two weeks ago that went down and fished with some guide mm-hmm. off the beach. For yeah, the, be- the beach, off yeah. the beach shark fishing. Yeah, I've heard they of that. They caught a tarpon. They didn't even catch a shark, caught a tarpon. <laughs> caught a tarpon? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. It's like I was disappointed, but I was excited at the same time. <laughs> Okay, isn't that crazy? Yeah, so, I would I mean, be you know, more excited it, it's about cool. a tarpon. It really is. Yeah, that's me too. But it was, you know, that's the that's the cool thing about it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like whenever somebody like they don't really, they've never really, they've never been fishing in salt water before. You know, maybe say they're they're from you know up north somewhere, and they they and they come down here, and like a lot of times guides will almost kind of ruin their fun whenever you hook a shark or something <laughs> you know what i mean if they don't have the right attitude towards the towards what well, we're catching you years know. ago years ago I, and i've got a couple of customers that still fish with me now from years ago that fished with other guides that you know one, one time you hook a jack revelle it was like break that son of a yeah yeah you know, yeah break him off we had a trout yeah. man a guy's like what is this it's a big old fish it's a jack revelle and guys would cut their line or grab the <laughs> spool and break them <laughs> off you know and yeah and people want to catch a big old fish that's and what they that's want to just, do yeah, yeah you got the you know it, <laughs> i've yeah. heard that a couple times in the marina man they're yeah. trying to catch bull reds or trout or whatever and you cook a jack Cravel and the guy just yeah. don't want to mess with him no it, it ruins their day but you never know you know you really never know what somebody's thinking on. yeah what their mo is what right trying to do right had a couple of guys show up one couple of years ago fly fishing mm-hmm. you know they were well, i think they were from like norway or something they were in this country at a fish hatchery seminar in Alabama, I think at Auburn, mm-hmm. and they came over and fished a day with me mm-hmm. after that to fly fish. And a guy gets up on the bow and he's like, man, you mind if I just kind of throw around and we just th- getting things rigged up? So I said, yeah, stretch the line, do whatever, you know? So he's just started throwing and getting his line all untangled and wound up. And he hooks a fish 
He's like, I got something. I was like, all right, cool, you know. He said, I think it's a big red. And it was freaking screaming. The drag was screaming. I'm like, no, nah. I said, it's probably just a big old jack, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a jack what? I said, a jack Ravel. No, this ain't a jack Ravel. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, I said, it ain't a bull red. I said, but it's a jack Ravel. <laughs> no, no, no. I go here and I go there to catch them and never caught one over 15 pounds. And, you know, talking about going to Africa and doing all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> and sure enough, it was about a 25-pound Jack Ravel. And that old boy gets him in. And that was his fish of a lifetime. That was his fish. That's, you know. Yeah. He took his fly rod apart, put it back in a case, started drinking Heineken's. His, his other buddy fished all day long. <laughs> he, <laughs> did it. He was, yep. Been there, done that. He was done. Yep. That's it was awesome, fun. man. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. I was like, okay, bud, whatever you want. You I've, know? I've heard of a lot of people like that. We had a guy um, that came in Brooklyn, Mexican Gulf to catch his, I think he caught every billfish but a swordfish. Mm-hmm. He booked, he booked five days to go catch a swordfish. He wanted to do it every day. They caught him on the first day, like, real early in the morning. Yep. He left. <laughs> he paid for all the charters and left. He did it. <laughs> but, you know, crazy, you never man. really know what people people anticipate. And, you what know, their expectations, expectations are. are. You know, our expectations are always higher. Yeah. Because we know what we've had, what we you know, what's the possibility mm-hmm. of doing. So you can't play nothing down. Yeah, you know, yeah. A slow day of fishing might be their best day of fishing ever. So you never yeah, play you that, that. Oh, yeah, they're not biting. You know, every fish is a great fish. Yeah, I know? start every day by asking my clients what their what their goal is for the day. Or, yeah. You know, what are you guys' expectations? What are y'all trying to accomplish with today? Right. Something like that. And you kind of fill them out and go from there, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, it's a fun, I mean, it's a fun job. It really is. I can always tell that about you. You've yeah. always seemed to be, like, really – like genuinely liked guiding or something. <laughs> it, it, you I know, hope I can maintain that. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you know, you, you, and, and, and as many years as I've done this, a lot of my customers are repeat business, yeah. you know, or word of mouth. This one knows that one, that one sent him down. I mean, some of them are bringing their kids fishing down that I took when they were drunk college kids <laughs> before, you know, so most people I know and you enjoy spending time with people that you make friends with. So it's, yeah. It's like going fishing with your buddies all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, it really is. Except you're getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. So. It is once you've yeah. done it long enough yeah. and you know the people and they come yep. back, you ask about and if the you kids treat, And if you treat people like that, it's it's an easy day. Yeah. You know? It definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> What's um? You did a lot of uh, tournament fishing stuff too, huh? We, when the redfish tournaments and all started, we started doing that. And it was fun. It was, uh, man, we got to fish. From South Florida all the way to South Texas. Really? You so know? you got to cover some, yeah. some ground. And actually, areas. it was it was an eye-opening experience for things that we took for granted here. You know, I mean, you know you had good fishing, but until you go fish other places, you really didn't realize that our fisheries was what it was. You yeah. couldn't compare it, to, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, there was places you was like, huh. Man, I've always heard this place was supposed to be, you know, really da, 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 and you got over there and it was like, you know, can we go play golf or something, you know? But yeah, it, uh, it, makes it was you fun. a better fisherman, I bet, fishing a bunch of different places. It does. And, and, you know, a lot of those fishermen that fish those, those other states and stuff were really good fishermen because they had to work really hard at, mm-hmm. at doing it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, um, 
I, you never take that away from anybody. It's got to work as hard as they do to catch one when we go catch 50, you right. know. So, <laughs> yeah. But we did that for a few years. It was fun. How long know? did you do it for? Probably four or five years. Four or five years. Yeah. And then it got to where I was like, all right, we, we play it more than we're working. Yeah. You know, because all <laughs> of a sudden you start fishing. I think there was four or five tournament trails at one time. All in the middle, I think like at IFA, the Redfish Cup, the FLW, and I think there was another one. It might have been four of them, and we did like all of them in one year, and it just, you know, yeah. it took a lot of time out from making yeah. money, making money, right? Making money, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. I guess it works out right if you win, but <laughs> if you win a lot, if you win a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and then again. It, it is what it is, and you take it for what it's worth. We got to meet a lot of people, yeah. you know, make a lot of connections in other places. and right. just Industry friends, companies. Yeah, industry stuff. You know, back then, there was more room for people to get sponsored for things than there is now because the amount of people who's guiding. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. It's definitely, too, it's like, uh, you know, people – they used to want to sponsor people because you know you you when people came on the boat they would see what you would use and they would go buy it as well and and i think a lot of that still does happen but i think a lot of times people also they get the internet and stuff more involved now and they it's almost like especially talking to sponsors now they want you to like post and stuff all the time and do that whole thing and it's like It's yep. a different. It's a different job now, <laughs> being sponsored. Than it is, it and it take, you know, we used to joke about it. But man, if you could give out a hundred hats, you got a hundred people that are walking around with your business yeah. on their head, free advertisement right yeah. there. Yeah, you know, and you know, I mean, it is what it is. But uh, you know, you take and uh, you get uh, five hundred guides. Everybody's looking for some kind of deal to use somebody's stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to to get. But at one time, you know, it was like, okay, hey, you want to use our stuff? Yeah, here, here, here. here yeah. Now it's like, yeah, we'll give you like twenty dollars off, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's just less and less. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah I could see that just because, yeah, the amount of people as well. Right. Just right. So many. And then the social media thing. I mean, there's a lot of people who post things that just want to be yeah. you know yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's people that don't even fish that much and they you know they're really good at it, the, people at the like making the videos stuff. and yeah you know they like doing that the you YouTube know so stuff, yeah. yeah youtube's a whole nother ball i mean game. you can chase you can chase all that out if you want to chase it whatever but it's know. a different job right like yeah i got enough to i got enough work <laughs> to do right now so i know. always say that too it's like you could do a youtube channel but it's a different job than trying to provide an experience, like a personal experience for somebody. That's yeah. like a totally yeah. different. I always thought it would be cool to do like a YouTube channel. It would be, but I you think know? I, I, you know, I've thought about trying to do that with my charters, but I think that's a whole. I think that would get in the way of the charter. It would know. because you would take look, away from the personal part of. Yeah, exactly. You're things. sitting there trying to make yeah. a video and doing a telephone. The whole thing. You know, the <laughs> telephone. You're on a boat and the telephone rings. You know, yeah. you answer it, you just let it ring. Well, yeah. you just let it ring. I mean, this is their time. They, they you know, the money time. they the money they're paying to come on a charter and time off. You know, you gotta. Yeah. You know, if you travel to hunt and fish, you know what it takes to take off of work to go and do and stuff like that. I mean, you got to give those people their time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So, but yeah, but you know, just and just time, time. You can't, you ain't got enough time to do everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool. it really would be cool because you think about it. I mean, the stuff that you've learned over the years and you start doing, and you know, share it. Yeah. You could share it with people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah at one time, I, I I thought about it. I was like, man, you know, watching these guys tie a freaking knot that's the same trilene cinch knot and <laughs> then you're like or how to throw a spinnerbait and i'm like who doesn't know how to throw a spinnerbait right well all these new people that are yeah just showing up yeah you know? i need to know yeah <laughs> you know i like the guiding part i enjoy teaching on the trips and i hope most people enjoy being taught you know because yeah. i still like to throw a lot of artificial you yeah. know yeah you do that a lot like a lot yeah you try to is do you give how do how do you do that with your charter during the day? Like if you get some people that are like new, do they throw plastics that day, or does it kind of depend on what you're seeing? Or? Well, it kind of depends on what they can do. You can start out by going to the sandbar. Mm -hmm. Most people can throw. You get somebody that can cast. They can throw up to the sandbar and really back cast. You know, so you can throw spoons. Or you can throw, you know, just a swim tail and stuff like that. You know, I mean, you don't have to get too technical where you're bouncing off a, you know, right, off right. a ledge and things like that. Or they don't have to be accurate, really. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you got some people that are kind of in between in the middle, then you can do a little bit more stuff. And spoons, spoons are great. Yeah. You know, those weedless spoons are. Yeah, because they're they're kind of just reel right it's like, yeah. that's it as long as you don't reel them through the tip of the rod and get them stuck up in there you, you're fine <laughs> you throw it out and reel it back yeah yeah, yeah. and uh you know most people can do it yeah i mean there's days you need to use bait and stuff like that but you know it's like the bull reds right now all you gotta do is pop the core yeah you have to make a noise you know pop the core pop yeah. the core yeah 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 that is weird how how attractive that is. <laughs> it is almost cheating. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, what is your what's your favorite target? Which when what do you like to catch the most? Like you personally, I know you get asked that all the time. I like the bass fish. Maybe. You like the bass fish. Yeah. If I was gonna go spend my day doing something, I'm gonna go bass fishing. Really? Because it doesn't feel like I'm working. It seems <laughs> like if I go red fishing or trout fishing, it just seems like I'm scouting for the next day. It yeah. always feels like that, you know. <laughs> I go bass fishing, I can just go bass fishing. Yeah, and you're not expected to do it the next day. Or, right. Yeah. Right, <laughs> you know. That's but, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. That's kind of like, I like when on my days off, I like to go diving. It's because I don't, you know, Yeah. I'm not really looking for anything. So, you know, years ago, I I, uh, I was doing duck hunts, mm -hmm. you know, and it got to be a job. and It burnt me out on it, I, you know. Uh, I just, I don't even, it's got to be a very special deal for me to go duck hunt now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just got burnt out on it. You, you don't know? even do it for yourself anymore? Not that much. No. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of, like, uh, your personal trips, though, right? You go travel around. Yeah, I like to go hunt. Yeah, elk hunting and, you know, fishing turkey hunting too. and fishing up north and stuff. Yeah. The fishing up north thing's getting to be a new, new deal, so. Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, you throw a. A canoe trip is kind of like a camping trip slash fishing trip, you know, and go catch something different, smallmouth walleyes and right. things like that, something different. And to be honest with you, some of the, the guys I've met up north, they're coming down to go red fishing now. So That's it's cool. – yeah, so <laughs> I'm making connections when you go out, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. That's one thing. I, I talk to you on the dock all the time, off and on with – coming here and you always you always say you gotta take time off paul you gotta go you gotta go see somewhere and i've yeah. always like i've I, you know i always want to take 
I try and do that as well, you know. Yep. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I think it's important yeah. for guys to well, do Well, you know, it does. It, it gives you perspective of things. It gives you a perspective of taking a day off of work, driving somewhere, spending that all that time in between and doing, and, you know, you think about what, what – it's like you're in your client's shoes all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> you, you, you really You understand are. what they have to go through to get somewhere and do something. And having an expectation. And appreciate what the nickels work, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it helps out, yeah. you know. And having that expectation of trying to, you know, you know, catch something. Or catch your kid. Right. Have, have, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it puts exactly. you definitely in their shoes. It's I, funny because we, when we did that, we did a boundary water trip this year. It was the first time I did that. And the guy who kind of wrangled it up uh, – him and his buddies and one of the guys is actually a customer friend of mine. That's how I got invited on that trip. And the guy who was kind of wrangled it up, he was disappointed because the water was up and we wasn't really catching a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, you're not a guy. You don't have to worry about it. Don't worry about it. Man, I want you to catch some fish. I'm like, I'll catch what I catch. And I said, it doesn't <laughs> matter, you know. And they just listening to like the group talk. And I'm thinking, man, I wonder if you get a bunch of clients together and it's getting a slow day of fishing. That's, if that's the conversation going around the table in the evening, you know, hey, you think we ought to call this other guy to try for, you know, or well, I wonder what he's catching over there. I wonder what's wrong. You know, I'm sure it's all that. Does this guy even know what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know. I'm sure it's all of that, man. I, I think about it all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It definitely is. What's, uh, what's, what's like, one of your most prized catches? Have you ever caught, like, a – ginormous speckled trout or a ginormous redfish you man i've got tell us about. i've got about a half a dozen trout over eight pounds wow those are big ones with clients. Got one that big. yeah with clients i caught a big one when i used to have the green monster out there caught a big one there it was about eight and a half eight wow. nine wow yeah um that's some big trout talk, talk about the the green monster a little bit then the sandy point Reef, oh man. man that was you didn't realize how good you had it until they were gone, you know. <laughs> I mean, that was really trout fishing it's a out there. It was great. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was, you know, you think about back then, and I'm just going to throw a number out there, let's say 20 years ago, all right. You'd go out there, and we didn't have as many guides as you had now, but you had a lot of people, recreational fishermen. So we'd get to the Green Monster, and that thing was – Dimension-wise, it was pretty big, you know. The people who know about it know how big it was. Maybe like 30 boats tied up to that thing on some days. People, you know, fishing it, trout fishing. You're like, Jesus Christmas, you know. 30 boats. 30 boats. I've seen weekends that had 30 boats out there just freaking, you know. It's like, this is crazy. That is you know? crazy. But everybody's catching a big old speckled trout. I mean, it was it was just piled up with fish. Um didn't seem to matter, huh? <laughs> it really did. It almost it it really did seem like it was an unlimited resource at one time. Really? You know, yeah. There was that many trout over there. <laughs> there was that many trout and reds and just in everything. general. Bait fish, everything. It just seemed like wow. Well, you know. The uh uh but that whole Sandy Point Riggs thing, that was man, that that place was You was, know how when they put those out there? Mm-mm. You know what you you mm-hmm. know. That was way before. That's what you should have asked old Ronnie. <laughs> Him and know. Moses, because, you know, like Ronnie and Moses probably fished together out there at one time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. But he's he, a salty dog, huh? Dude. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's been, how long, Ronnie? What he told you? 
How long was he doing it? He said since the, I think he said 86, yeah. something like that. I can't remember exactly. Don't don't quote me on that. But yeah. He's been doing it a long time. He, I mean, he talked a lot about those the uh, the Sandy Point rigs and yeah. all that stuff over there. Well, how you know, many, Sandy how many Point amazing days he had. So Sandy Point and going all the way around to West Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, West Bay had a lot of yeah. These, there was my all first year down well, here. There was all those wellheads in West Bay, and then come around, you'd go out there and fish those things, and we catch them big trout. You'd pitch up in the rig. Yeah. And, and let it free fall and it bounce it kind of as it's going down and you catch some big fish in the rigs and uh once you got out to that 25 or 30 foot of water you could throw up an ant hook cobia you yeah. know triple tail mm-hmm. you know like triple tail then was like a bonus fish yeah we didn't see that many triple tail it's amazing how they just kind of you feel like there's more now oh but you, you don't but you don't but you don't think that I mean, I've asked several people this, but I mean, that was, that's really interesting that you say that. Is is it that we're fishing for them now more, or do you think that there's just there's more, more now? You really think yeah. so? I, it, it was like they just showed up. Really? Yeah. Yep. I, I don't. Bill know. Butler said the same thing too. Yeah. You know, so I mean, we catch one here and there on a on a grass line or something, or, or uh, they'll what we call the burnt rig down there by Southwest Pass in September. You'd find the ones you'd find them gathered up there before they kind of yeah left uh-huh. yeah and it was a hit or miss thing you know ronnie said it's, it, it was always really good uh, but i don't know so everybody's kind of perspective is a little bit different yeah i always felt like it was just a bonus fish i mean it wasn't like we targeted them yeah but I'm, I'm we fished the rigs we used now. to fish the rigs a lot more though yeah um you know, so like block 69 still out there, but we don't catch the trout there like we used to. But we fished all everything out there as, as well as everything on this side of the river yeah. on the west you side. No, I, heard, I was talking to Brandon Carter the other day. He said that, you know, the trout used to be so thick over there on the 69 crazy. Block, yeah. block, and now they're not really they're not really over there anymore. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I mean, you catch them here and there, but they're not like they used to be, right? No, I mean, you'd pull up. On some of those rigs, you could pull up and catch your limit on a rig, yeah. you know, or you'd catch them off the rigs on the flow lines and stuff on the bottom, <laughs> you know. I wonder what I wonder what makes those fish move, you know, to different rigs or different places. That's so crazy. <sighs> you know, I think I, we talked with the Wildlife and Fisheries the other night about some stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And I wish I made that meeting. The consensus, it, was, it, it wasn't a bad meeting, but it was uh, – the consensus was we see a decline over the years, and what are we going to try and do about it, or what are the y'all going to try and do about it? And the things. decline in biomass and redfish or speckled trout? Or redfish, what? speckled trout, everything. A decline. You know, a decline. Yep. I mean, man, I, I tell you, Paul, I wish you I wish you could have been around in the 80s and early 90s <laughs> and, and saw, you know, what, what it you was. Saw, yeah. You know, I mean, it's probably a thousand little things that add up to one thing. Um but just the habitat in general is disappearing, gone, right? yeah. yeah. And then a biologist that we were talking to, you know, he put some things in perspective about the river, you know, having a high river for a bunch of, you know. For a long period of time. Long periods of time, and you mix that with not as much marsh and the cold water and the fresh water can just blow through it. And, you know, I mean, egg, uh, the redfish spawning, the eggs coming into the, marshes and settling and hatching and you know he's gonna have the right salinity the right temperatures and things like that so there's probably a lot of little things that have yeah making a decline right more pressure 
Right. Loss of habitat. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah. You that, can't say, oh, uh, uh, the, the live bait fishermen are killing all the fish <laughs> or, you know, the, the shrimpers <laughs> are doing this or that. You know, it, it, it's a lot of little things, yeah. you know. You know, I say that all the time. It seems like uh, all the fi- like all the fishermen, whether you're a commercial fisherman or charter boat fisherman or recreational fisherman, we're always trying to point the finger at each other. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, like right. recreational guys want to blame the the commercial guys, right? And, you know, charter and, and fishermen too. And we're, yeah. all, we're all part of the problem. It's all it's all about <laughs> us versus the resource. Period. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, I'll just say this. I know maybe my listeners have heard me say this before, but I really think that if we can all come together instead of trying to point fingers at who's killing the bull red or who's, you know, killing 100 trout a day or, you know, whatever, who's right. killing all the pogies or whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. Exactly. I think we all can agree that we need more habitat, and that's that's, that's what we need to push for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like more habitat. More and, habitat. And I'm really surprised that the commercial side had bumped up. I mean, they, they're pretty strong. Yeah, you know? they are. They're, they're more uh, united. Well, they're say. united. They're like, they got, you know, they got some really good representation and all. Mm-hmm. But you know, I would have thought that they'd push for a lot more. Yeah, you would think so. You know, you know? Yeah. Um, coastal restoration projects and things like that. I mean, because yeah. without the marsh, they don't have the shrimp, the crabs. I mean, yeah. Got it. You know, thinking back, there was a time. Let's see, when was it? Probably in the the late nineties, from ninety five to ninety nine, right up in there. I was in West Bay, just going fishing, scouting, looking, riding by myself, and it had a, a pretty good falling tide. And it's the most I'd ever seen of these little crabs. It was a crab hatch, and there was billions of little crab there was a little grass line that kind of made up and that outside where the yellow table and all used to be there and through those those wellheads there and everything was just covered with these little crabs about you know quarter size they were just really? covered yeah i've never seen any billions like of them yeah and there was man there was just about every kind of fish you could think of on that grass line really? that was in that that in there eating crabs yeah Redfish would sound like perch coming up eating them. The trout would eat them. There was ladyfish, Spanish mackerel, everything. It, just everything in there. Just it was crazy. National Geographic. Scene. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, over the years, you still see crabs come out the marsh and things. You see a little better hatches and things like that. But you, you know, just looking back at just the stuff you used to see, yeah, like that. You know, I, re- I honestly, I believe that it was an unlimited resource at one time. You know, I really did. Really did. It probably could still could be if we could figure out a way to restore the the marsh the right way. Well, would you not say that? Or? You know, the habitat is only going to support a certain size of fisheries. I mean, the Mississippi River. It's only going to support so many fishermen, right? Yeah. And fishermen, and, you know. I mean, the area that we have now is only going to hatch. And, and support that many fish, you know, for that size, whatever it is. You know, the river being it, it is, it helps the estuary. But, uh, you know, without the marsh, you don't have the habitat. Yeah. You know, you really don't. Yeah. You it's know. getting roaded away. Every every big wind, you every see day. more of it yeah. go away. <laughs> yeah. You know, Katrina was probably the was the top of it right yeah. there. That's what After changed Katrina, everything. Yep. Yep. We lost acres and acres of stuff there's stuff down there that 
that's wide open now. That was nothing but ponds and some little canals and ditches and things. That, that's what I've heard about Blind Bay, how awesome Blind Bay used to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you could go on and on. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, like Blind Bay, you know what they call eight-pound point? I've never heard of that. Okay. Well, eight-pound point, they had a point on that that south side of it there. And, shit, I caught like three or four eight-pounders off of it. They tried one, yeah. Eight-pound yep. point. I like eight it. Eight-pound point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's but, gone uh, now oh yeah it's it's a nub now it's like it's just a nub <laughs> out there it's really it's it 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 makes your stomach turn when you see how much we've lost yeah. you know and uh yeah blind bay redfish bay the yeah, redfish bay used to be really special right you know yeah yeah you know i you know i think about what 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 kind of restoration efforts do you think that they could do like as far as um you think there's something that we can do to make make more the marsh better? I think if they did some pulpit projects. I mean, you look at that project they got going on right now. You know, they start from up up there by the by the jump, and mm -hmm. they got that they got that big berm they built, and it's going to go all the way out to Red pa out to Red Pass to the Gulf to Sandy Point through the marsh. You know, I mean, look at how much they built right there, and just yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna say six months. It's a lot of land over there. It's a lot of land. I don't know what the, you know, most of the land down the river is either federal or state management land. Yeah. I don't know why they would go in there and just start doing like, projects. But if you were going to, like, I know a lot of the fishermen talk about, like, they'll fill in, like, ponds and stuff like that, and they, they put it in different places. you think that they're not really use a lot, utilizing the dredge material as well as that they could, or... Like, what would be the best, like, if you were going to make, like, land, would you make, like, a horseshoe-shaped land with, like, a deep pocket in the middle of it? Like, well, you know, I, it, I think about this stuff all the so, time. So, at one time, when you ran out and you could start with, say, Main Pass, I mean, there's a bar that comes off the end of Main Pass and runs down, mm -hmm. and you could see that bar. You know, all of that was further out into the Gulf, you know. Um, and when then you, you got down to Pasolutra, it did the same thing. It was a big bar that ran out off the end of North Pass and all that. It ran out like that. And the same thing came off of Southeast Pass and, and over by Cadro and off of South Pass. You know, those barriers out there. So basically you're saying like barrier islands? Well, they had those barriers out there that, that really protected everything from the inside from getting beat up that bad. So all the sediment that came down could f come down and come back and settle in there without getting pounded every day yeah you know um i don't know i mean if if you had a, i think if you had open like a ponds, barrier island project that would put barrier islands kind of like all around us yeah <laughs> and then if you could protect it from the outside i think then you could start on the inside and do things you could put tiers you know that kind of broke the current down from just flowing in and out yeah something slow it down and you know it is it's probably a bazillion miles of oil field pipeline that they got to worry about and things. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, and that's habitat too. <laughs> it is, you know, it, it really is a shame because of, you know, all the wildlife that's down there is, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. All the stuff we got, yeah, it's, it it's going away, you know? Yeah. It is it you, it is it is wild to see how how much it changes, but a lot of me thinks that's why it's so good too is how much it changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it. Because um, eroding point is almost what you want to fish a lot of the times, but 
Right. It just comes to a point where you need to put put it back. You got to put stuff back. There's nothing being reclaimed. You yeah. know, it really yeah. isn't. I, I, you know, they've done some projects down there, and it, it, it you kind of shake your head, and you're like, huh. And then you see some things kind of working a little bit. And, but, you know, I I think to try and imitate Mother Nature and wait 100 years for something to come back is just, yeah. you know, not when you've got storms like we do every year. Yeah, it's, that's definitely a hard thing to but if try you are, to justify. But if you already got the dredging projects going on in the river, why not just pump that over here and pump that in there? And pump yeah, that almost in like there? you have to collaborate with some of the things that got going yeah. on, you know. But I don't know that that's my whole thing is how like the source of conservation is like how to um, how to live how, how, how to coexist with uh, wildlife and make it better. Right. So, right. And like right. with hunting, the main the main way that they've learned to do that is like if somebody wants a lot of ducks, you know, they buy a piece of land, they flood it, they seed it. And right. <laughs> right. You get ducks, you know, yeah. and I, I don't know. I, part of me always like the Sandy Point rigs. We put those there. You know, it was kind of like it was indirectly for oil you know right. that they, but we put them there and we made you know a lot of habitat for fish oh yeah but uh we we don't put any like standing it's illegal to put standing structures out in the gulf for fish and i, I think that's the main law that would need to change for us to be able to do that It'd be really cool <laughs> it would help it, it would help mm-hmm. i mean all those rigs they took out i don't i don't even remember how many was in there but there was a there was a pile of them, and everything had some type of fish, something on them, you know. Um, if you put a bunch of underwater reefs out there, I mean, you got to worry about the shrimpers and all and everything, you know. I, I see, but then I'm like, I'm like, well, you got to cut the rig down, but you go put a reef underneath. That's what they did with the green monster. With the green monster, yeah. right. Yeah, it's like it's good, but it's not – it's not the same as right. having that that all the way to the surface, like those fish being able to sit out of the current or whenever that dirty water's right. in there, they can sit and wait for it to get pretty again. You know, you know I, I I'd almost said, you know, why don't y'all just buy the thing from whoever and leave it, you know, yeah. put some lights on it, and just let it be like it is. I mean, eventually it's gonna rot and fall, you know, and kind of yeah, crumble It'll down. Go away in. eventually. Yeah, it is. Just let you it know. be go with, on its own pace. <laughs> It, there's a lot of other structure out there I wish they had took out instead of the ones that they did take out. You yeah. Know? yeah, you're right Stuff you never that. catch fish on. You know, they, all that shit's still there. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy how some of those structures get put in, like, great places, you know? <laughs> it's funny. It's like East Bay. Yeah. It's never really been, like, a all those rigs, you think, man, I'm going to catch so many speckled trout on them. Yeah. For whatever reason, they've never been... But you'd catch them on the inside, along right the there. beaches and stuff. And all but the rigs have never it. really produced any kind of trout. We used to catch white trout and snapper and all that other stuff out something there. Something about it they don't like, man. It's, it's something in it, yeah. It's yeah. weird how that works. How there's like, you know, and then like with the triple tail, man, they just all of a sudden will decide to be on one side. They'll just show up and they'll be on another side and they'll, yep. it's weird how that works oh <laughs> yeah whole, but it, it seems like it has to do with their their feeding patterns they take the path of least resistance day after day and that that's what makes them right stay there right <laughs> yeah but you know it, it, it's it's interesting you know but that that block 69 area it kind of you got to wonder about that what happened yeah I mean, all the fish we used to catch over there you know do you think it might be like a, a river height thing? Because like 
<clears throat> I would think that low rivers make things move, like the the central biomass or like the you know the plankton, all that kind of stuff, kind of moves north. That's right. what it seems like. But. You know, there used to be a there used to be some. Uh, I used to see. I guess it was the biologist for the state. I used to run into this guy all the time in Garden Island Bay down there. We used to fish to all the points back and forth across down there. And I'd run into this guy, and it was pretty regular. He was always out checking salinity levels. Really? You know? And he'd say, oh, hey, over there's, you know, the salinity <laughs> levels are higher and that, 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 you know, and things like that. And I mean, I really don't see too many people out anymore doing that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think – I, I think the river has a lot to do with it, yeah. you know. It seems to me like it does because it seems like the river has the, – the rising and the falling of the river has everything to do with where the fish are. Yep. <laughs> I, I, you know, years ago I never thought the river hurt us, but we had more land. So the water was being held up before it actually got to the outside. Now there's places you can look through and see the gulf straight, you know, yeah. and that water just flows in and out. So, I mean, it's a good possibility that – yeah, <laughs> you know, that it does. <clears throat> Talk about um the uh what kind of boat? Whenever you first started guiding down here, what kind of boat were you in? Shit, I had a uh, a twenty one foot Carolina skiff. That's what you started guiding out of. Yeah. No way. I built uh <laughs> I built all my decks in it. Was it, the whole boat was almost decked over. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, a friend of mine still got the boat. How long did you use it for? Oh shit. Just can't beat those things. Man. No, man, I had I don't I'll put probably three motors on that thing. It Dang. was slow, but I fished that, that that boat had some fish in it. How much fuel could you hold? You remember? I had two eighteen gallon tanks in it. Yeah. I almost found enough tanks. nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I only had a ninety on it, so <laughs> Oh, okay. You didn't oh, have yeah. to go too far. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to leave an hour early to to get there ten minutes behind everybody else. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shit. That yep, that was a good old boat, man. What'd you move into after that? After that, I I had a uh, I had gotten an, uh, I was in the flats boat kind of mode. I thought they were cool boats, and I, I had a guy in Bell Chase was building these custom twenty two foot flats boats. And uh, I had a uh, 200 on it. It was a uh, boat we call a Piranha. I still got it. But I ran that boat for like. I think that's whenever I met you, you were running that boat, yeah. That thing's built like a brick shithouse, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, that boat, man, it's, it's, I think I ran that boat for almost 18 years. Really? 19 years, yeah. Wow. Yep. That's pretty cool. And you, you still have it, huh? I still have it, yeah. I could probably sell it for now for what I paid for it then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to sell it? No. Nah. <laughs> it's paid for. It's just, you know, it's an extra boat right now. Yeah, it's, it needs, it's nice to have an extra boat yeah. as a guide sometimes. It's, uh, it, it needs some TLC. Yeah. You know, it needs actually what it, it needs to be pulled out and rewired and no. maybe re- some new gel coat on the inside and stuff. But it's still a s- solid boat, Yeah, you know. And uh, and then I got into this Avenger I got now and I like it. Yeah, yeah. twenty six, right? Twenty six, yeah. Yeah, That's it's uh, four years old. Yeah, you got it new. Yeah, it had thirty hours on it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It was it was new. It was <laughs> sitting on a trailer basically. Uh, 
Yeah, I like it. The boats have changed over the years. Oh, my God, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> people used to go offshore in the, bay, the size bay boats we're fishing in now. You know, right. if you think about it, so like a Robalo, 24-foot Robalo or something like that, or, you know, 24-foot, <laughs> um, uh, what was them, catamaran, some of the catamaran boats, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now the catamaran boats are three times as long, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. You know. Biggest game changer in fishing. Oh, God. You got a couple of them. Uh, the power pole. <laughs> I mean, uh, the remote control trolling motors. Yeah. I, I say it every – I think about it every day. Every time I hit the anchor button on that trolling motor, you know, I'm like, man, if I'd have had this back 20 years ago, there wouldn't be any fish left. <laughs> and really, you know, you'd it pull up a to a rig. You'd pull up to a rig, and if you wanted to fish that upcurrent side, you had to put an anchor. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you had to get set right, or you just had to stay on the troll motor and hold yourself hold out and let the yeah. customer sling shit in the boat, and you try to do everything, run the troll motor back and forth, and, you think know. Think about this. Think about this. I've never had to do that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though? Like, I never even, I don't even know Look, what it's like to have so to So, we had, we had a that. PVC pipe. That we, used to, we used to shove it in the mud, had a little short rope looping on a cleat, and yeah. we were done. And uh, you would, you, that was our power pole, basically. You know, you stick the it in a motor drip. Huh? Yep, just, <laughs> just PVC. And we thought we was hot shit when a buddy of mine made us a bunch of aluminum tips. We'd we stick in the bottom of it so we could jam it through the oyster shells and all of that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. But, yeah, the power pole, uh, remote control trolling motors. And, I, you know, then you got depth finders and GPSs that are just yeah. – what about braided line? I thought that was a big game. You know, it, it really is. It, it, it is. I don't know how we ever caught fish on monofilament line. I really don't. <laughs> you know? Every I remember time somebody has some monofilament on their spool, I'm like, God. Ah, I take that shit that. off of that. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I mean, I started bass fishing with the braided line before I saltwater fished with it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is going to be great. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, – it's crazy how far all that stuff has come forward. And, and that's another and part, of it, and that's a little part of that thousand things that eat away at everything. You know, the, the means of catching and killing stuff yeah. is getting so much. Yeah, that's the truth, too. It's like who you want to point the finger at. You want to point the finger at the people making the boats or the fishermen uh, or the people making all the tackle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're it, all part of it. it. It shouldn't be as much finger pointing as much as, you know, hey, what we're going to do to make it better. Yeah. Or keep what we have. I, what I are mean, we going to do? <laughs> I actually saw a fly fishing guide who does this thing where he takes a drone, launches the drone, it flies around a pond with it, sees a redfish, and then goes, and then goes in there to catch him. him. <laughs> I'm like, why don't you just stay home, dude? You know? <laughs> I mean, that's really taking all the fun out of everything you know that's I lazy that's I th lazy i think the same thing so i i haven't take this took the step into getting into like the the live scope stuff right but i feel like that's the same thing it's like do i really want to be like looking at this i'm already looking at my electronics enough as it is during the day you you've know? got a fish stump you know yeah <laughs> like like the like the bass masters and stuff all of that now they got more shit on that boat you know all the big screens and everything with all <laughs> Fish don't stand a chance. Uh, uh, <laughs> take all that shit off and let them go back to fishing, you know. <laughs> Put a flasher on there. Yeah. I mean, really, so, like, when we started, when I started guiding, we didn't have a GPS. We had a depth finder, you know. You had a little graph. Or one of the guys that used to be down here, Donnie, Donnie Ray, Donnie Ray had a flasher in the day, you know. 
That's yeah. what he used. He was used to that, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, so if you ran down a river and you wanted to go, say, out of Raphael and you wanted to go to Lonesome Bayou, you know, you're like, all right, I got to I gotta run 100 yeah. degrees, you know. <laughs> you ran to go to Yellowcott Bay. You come out on the wheel and it was foggy or something like that. And you're like, man, I want to go by the water tower. You had to run, you know, whatever heading, <laughs> you know. And you just went across there with the compass. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. Offshore, we did the same thing. You know? That's crazy. I, I talked to Mike Fernet on here and hearing how he, you know, he literally plotted every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you you left out a Tiger Pass and, you know, you was going to go run toward, you know, to go to Mars, the 50-mile Mars radio. That was a big deal to go way out there, you know. Yeah. I mean, them guys now just run past it. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we take 180 degrees to go that way and you'd end up at block 93 and you're like oh let's go to lena and you could see lena you know and you could see right. the rigs around and you could go well you know <laughs> yeah but now man i've seen some of that stuff on the offshore boats it was like wow them guys are looking at you know spots of swordfish on the bottom no wonder they're finding them and catching them and yeah. you know a couple yeah, thousand feet of water map the whole entire bottom now. yeah it's crazy <laughs> i mean it's wild it is unbelievable what we what we have to uh all the weapons we have. And yeah. <laughs> I told my customers we like, we joke about it, you know, because you got a remote control for the troll motor and one for the power pole. And I said, you know, one day I'm just going to sit at the dock. I'm going to put you all in the boat, and I'm going to have an iPad with a joystick, and I'm going to drive you all around from the dock. You know, I have a little button on that that will say, don't touch that shit, you know. <laughs> Throw over there have to the left. a system. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Throw over there to the left. No, no, not over there, you know. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> you're joking, but that might be. I, you know, <laughs> you never know. No, I don't. I don't pass off anything anymore. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we we're coming up on an hour, and uh, cool. I know you got some clients coming in tonight. So one last question, man. What what more do you think? I mean, I know we've talked a lot about conservation, but like, what more do you think we could do as guides to like make sure that this resource stays good and healthy for the next generation? You know, I think if everybody would just kind of help police themselves. I mean, a lot of people like to take fish home and things. I mean, I understand that. I've never been against catching your limit of fish and, you know, yeah. and doing all that. But, uh, you know, there's little things. I mean, you could not keep the guide's limit. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of promote a little more catch and release on things, you know. Hey, are y'all really going to eat 10 100-pound yellowfins, you know? or You, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. It just, I mean, it, you know, social media kind of kind of things now. People like to see a bunch of bunch yeah. of pictures and a bunch of fish, and like to post a bunch of things. Uh, you know, just I just think the little the, things, the, man. The tagging. I'm trying to get more into tagging right now. I I did it the other day with the Department of Wildlife mm -hmm. and Fisheries out of Mississippi. We tagged a bunch of triple tail, put satellite tags on. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, earlier this year, I had a. Uh, uh, a diver that shot a tag triple tail and this fish was uh it was 15 inches when it was tagged and 330 days later it was recaptured yeah and it grew up to be 24 and a half inches long so that's, that's 10 cool. inches in growth and almost 10 i used to tag long. a bunch of redfish yeah and i had one i tagged at the mouth of joseph's bayou into the gulf well going into the gulf like we go out there now Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you hit East Bay, we were catching these redfish, and they were all, I think they were about 16 to 18 inches. It was just a bunch of small slot fish. And I tagged one there, and uh, it was recaptured in Quarantine Bay, like 
a for the listeners, months, where is a that? A few months later. For the listeners, where is that at? Uh, if you was on top of the Empire Bridge and you look to your left across the river to the east, right outside of the outside okay. of Ostrica. Gotcha. Locks up there. So, you know, from East Bay to way up there in like three months. In three months. Three yeah. months. Wow. And it's like, okay, well, did that fish come, move into the river? Swim up the river and go out some of the cuts, which you would think would be logical, you know, or did he swim all the way out and around? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those fish were moving in during the fall is when we called them. But I had a summertime when I quit tagging. We were fishing in Delacroix, and I was scouting for a tournament. And uh, I had a buddy of mine and, and my ex-wife, and we, would, we were scouting and hunt fishing and all together. We tagged about, I think about, I think we had two, 22 redfish we tagged that day. In a in kind of a shallow bay cove, mm-hmm. and uh, we went back the next day, and and about half of them were bellied up, and that was about the last time I did a bunch of tagging. It was it was during the summer. I think we exhausted those fish a lot. And, so the and, ones you had tagged had died. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> we went back. And I, I think we, what happened is we exhausted those fish trying to tag and them. trying to ta- catching them and trying to tag them and all, and I didn't really do much tagging after that. Hmm. You know, yeah. but there was a fella down here used to tag a lot of fish and stuff, and yeah. you just don't see it no more. I, I don't even know if the program, there was a program that existed. Yeah, you used to be able to call in and get a little tag and still a little stick and and tags and stuff. Yeah, uh, Pat, uh, do you know who Pat Fitzmorris is? He was telling me about this tag tagging program that he's he's got going on right now. It's called TagLouisiana.net. Okay. And uh, you can go there, and he, he it's an app that he has, but instead of having to, you know, whenever you have to, like, record all the information and all that kind of stuff, it since it, you're, it's on your phone and it already has, like, where you're at and everything, okay. it's, like, it's like a quicker way to tag fish or whatever. Right. But anyways, I was on the dock. It was actually the same day that I put all the satellite yeah. tags out. He was telling me about it, and I was like, man, that would be – And it might even be the same program, just like I said, I way, quit yeah. doing it and kind of – yeah. It's kind of a funner way to like w- let fish go, you know, because you might get, and then when you get the information back, yeah, it kind of keeps get, you going. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like killing a banded duck. Yeah, you know, where would it come from? It, it, it's pretty neat. No, it, it really is. I mean, there's there's probably tag fish that are caught and never reported. Yeah, you know? dude, there was a guy the other day caught a tag swordfish, and I don't I don't know if they really? reported it or not. And I was like, man, that's pretty rare. That is tag, right, I've tag never swordfish. Heard of, yeah. I don't think I know of anybody uh, that's uh. caught. Have you ever caught like a tag, to, like anything pretty cool? Can a few you? redfish. A few redfish. A few redfish here and there. Um, actually, and I'm guilty of. I, I I got a tag sitting on my little mantle at home <laughs> that it came out the fish. You know. Oh really? Never set it up and just never called and yeah. Man, go do that for me. Let me know about it. <laughs> right. You're like, when'd you catch it? Um, Ten years ago. You know. <laughs> I thought it was yesterday, but uh, uh, redfish. That's about the only thing I've ever caught that we had tags. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've caught a tagged redfish yet. I don't think so. I don't think but I have. But we used to have a lot more people doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's true. Well, I really appreciate uh, your time, Captain Bobby yeah, Warren. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Dude. Yeah, I hope yeah. you did, man. Yeah. I, I really uh, I learned a lot about you. I'd do it again if you wanted. Yeah. I would love to do it yeah. again with you. And uh, if anybody would like to book a charter with Captain Bobby Warren, where would they be able to find you? Uh, you can find me at Adventure Charters, uh, or you can look up CaptainBobbyWarren.com. CaptainBobbyWarren.com? Yep. Cool. Or, or you can 
find me on Instagram at Captain Bobby Warren. Captain yeah. Bobby Warren. At yeah. Captain Bobby Warren. All right, guys, you heard it. You know where to find them. Book a trip. Captain Bobby Warren. Great. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you, Paula.